Hi there, welcome back to Sunday School. So this week we're going to continue talking about the Samaritans. Now last week we talked about the Samaritan woman that Jesus met at the well. That was one of the more famous times that he dealt with the people called the Samaritans. We talked a little bit last week and I'll refresh your memory now. This was a group of people who shared a lot in common with the Jews of Jesus' day. They shared a belief in Yahweh. They shared a belief in uh, the tribes of Abraham that God had chosen God's people through Abraham. They believed in the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. That was what they accepted. The split between the Jews and the Samaritans went back hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus' time. Historians, biblical scholars uh, talk about the various differences, what might have led up to this thing or the other. They worshipped in different places. They had different beliefs. But basically, these are two groups of people that are very similar as far as the foundational part of their religion goes. But there was a lot of animosity between them. So today we're going to talk about the most famous Samaritan of all. That's right. It's the Good Samaritan. And I've made this comment before, but basically... We don't think a lot about the rivalry between the Jews and the Samaritans. In fact, this person we're talking about today, the, the hero of this parable, the Good Samaritan, is so good, is so famous, that basically I cannot think of the word Samaritan without thinking of a Samaritan as being good. We don't talk about the average Samaritan, the bad Samaritan. There was always the Good Samaritan. In Jesus' day... Many of the people that he spoke with, and I mentioned this last week, he, he spent a lot of his time with just the regular Jews of his day. They would not have seen a Samaritan as necessarily the kind of person that they would consider to be the hero of any story. But he is the hero of this particular story. Well, let's set this up a little bit. Why did Jesus even tell the parable of the Good Samaritan? Well, what had happened was we had another of the experts in the law, uh, the people who were or lying in wait, they would often try to trap him, to have him give an answer to a question that might in some way compromise his position. Some of these people, I believe, did sincerely want to understand what Jesus was trying to teach. In this case, this expert in the law has asked Jesus basically to, to summarize what, what are the, what's the most important commandment. Jesus said, well, what do you think it is? And this lawyer says, well, first, to love God, and then secondly, to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, good job, you got it right. The lawyer in this case, though, he, he really kind of wanted to dig a little bit deeper. Maybe he was trying to trap Jesus into an answer, or maybe he really was sincerely interested. But it's an important question. If we're told to love our neighbor as ourself, the logical question that is asked here, well, who's my neighbor? What do you mean by telling me that I need to love somebody as myself? I mean, that's giving them the greatest degree of love. Well, who are these people? What, what qualifies one to be the neighbor? So Jesus tells the very famous parable here. We're in the 10th chapter today of the book of Luke. And Instead of giving the lawyer a definitive answer, this is your neighbor by, by definition, Jesus tells a story. And it is perhaps 
uh, as famous as any of the stories, any of the parables that Jesus ever told. So we're going to look at it again today. I know you've heard the story. You probably could tell me the story of the Good Samaritan better than I could tell it to you. We're all that familiar with it. We've all heard hundreds and hundreds of lessons. But because it is such a profound story, a profound parable, that I think it's really worth looking at time and time again, and maybe seeing something a little different when we look at it. So we're in the 10th chapter of Luke, verse 30. In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. All right, so we have been told and we've heard before that this particular journey, Jerusalem down to Jericho, was a particularly dangerous place. It was a kind of place where uh, thieves could easily attack somebody, could ambush somebody, take things away from them. It was a bad part of town, and people were not safe traveling through there. Sure enough, this happens. The listeners in Jesus' day would not have been surprised by what happened to this man. So what we're going to look at now is three individuals. There are three people who are going to come by and see the same thing, but they're going to have different reactions to what they see. The choice of people that Jesus uses in his story is also very interesting. So the man's lying there, half dead. He's been beaten, robbed, probably unconscious. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. A priest, a, a man of God, somebody that you would have expected to have shown mercy, to have shown compassion, he sees this person lying there, and we're not told why, but he decides to go on the other side of the road. Lots of people have speculated about why he and the next person to come up might have not wanted to touch potentially a dead body that was cleanliness, uncleanliness. Those were issues. Jesus doesn't get into all that. He just shows us what the priest does. The priest does nothing to help the man. So too, a Levite. When he came by the place and saw him pass by on the other side, a Levite, a member of the priestly tribe, the priest and the Levite are two people whose lives would have been dedicated toward the service of God. When I see somebody, and I'm told that somebody is a godly person, then I expect them to act in a godly way. These two men didn't. For whatever reason, they saw a human being who was in need and did nothing. Now we get to the heart of the story. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. And we saw him, he took pity on him. This is the big difference. This is what I want to emphasize this week. And that is just the human emotion, the reaction that this third person has. He feels pity. He feels sorry for this person who has been beaten and robbed and left for dead. Now, you would have expected the priest and the Levite to be really attuned to this kind of thing. You would expect them to be the kind of people who would show compassion, who would feel compassion. Well, clearly the reason they didn't show compassion is they just didn't feel it. But this man, this Samaritan, this person who would have been considered an outcast 
by many of the Jews listening to Jesus, he feels something. He sees another human being. He has no idea whether he's Jew, Gentile, Samaritan. Uh, he's just a man by the side of the road and uh, no way to determine uh, anything about his heritage. He's just a person in need. And unlike the first two travelers, the priest and the Levite, the Samaritan feels pity. There's something inside of him. He has the capacity, the ability to feel this pity, this uh, sorrow, this internal need to reach out and help another human being. So what is the result of this feeling of pity? What, what does it lead to? He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. So we find out something about the Samaritan. He certainly was a man of means. I mean, he's traveling with a donkey. He has enough silver pieces to be able to afford to do what he does for the man who had been beaten and robbed. He may not have been a man of great wealth, but he had at least some ability. The priest, the Levite, both of them could have provided this, even if they had not had the money on them because they were priests and Levites. They would have had access to some kind of alms that could have been used to help this man. They just did not do it because apparently, from all we can tell in the story, they didn't feel the compassion, the pity that the Samaritan did. And once again, imagine that you're listening to this story. And whenever you listen to a, a parable, Jesus' followers were probably seeing, well, who do I identify with? Am I the, the traveler who is going down and, and needs help because I've been attacked? Or the priest, the Levite. There would have been priests and Levites listening to the story. And again, there were certain expectation for people who were living their lives um, having taken religious vows, religious orders, the priest, the Levite, you expect them to act in a certain way. They don't act that way in the story. And then along comes the Samaritan. This is the wild card. This is the person that uh, probably would have felt at some point in his life the, uh, the, the bad feelings that the Jews would have had for him. He probably would have suffered. Uh, he would have been uh, put down. He would not have been accepted. He would have been an outcast in Jewish society because he was a Samaritan. The fact that he came from a different group of people, they had differences in their religious beliefs, that would have been the barrier. The barrier, though, didn't exist when he saw somebody in need. Once again, the big difference is he feels pity. And he acts on that pity. Everything that happens after this, everything that causes us to define this man as good happens for one reason. He has the normal human reaction of pity. He sees somebody in trouble and he does what he can to help that person get better, to take care of him, to bandage his wounds, to, to get him to the end riding on the donkey, to, to put him in a room, to, to take care of his physical needs, and then to promise 
uh, the innkeeper that he's going to come back and help out. So Jesus wraps it all up very simply, very neatly. He turns to this lawyer who's asked for the definition of, of neighbor, who is my neighbor. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? So again, Jesus has turned the story on its head. This is how he's defining the neighbor, not uh, having the person, the lawyer, who would have identified most likely with the either the Levite or the priest, but now asking him to identify more with the person who had been attacked, the person who was in need of pity, the person who was in need of help. Who was the neighbor? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Mercy, the act of helping this person that was motivated out of the pity. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. And that really is the message for us today, this message that's come down 2,000 years. Why has this story remained such an essential part of Christian message? Well, it's because we can see the characters that are in here. We can understand the human emotions, uh, the very real feeling of pity that we still feel today when we see people in need. And Jesus's answer to the lawyer in his day, to the people of our day, very simple, very basic, go and do likewise. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Father in heaven, help us to be good people. Help us to feel pity when we see people who are in need. Help us to help them in the way that you want us to help them. Help us to share your message with those around us this week. In Christ's name, amen.